if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. You've heard me talk a great deal about my desire for a spiritual awakening, a spiritual renewal, a spiritual revival. Term it like you like. But just a falling down of the manifest presence of God. I confess to you that this is um, consuming me these days. And before you think I'm picking on us, uh, part of this is fueled by the things that I see going on in our country. When you look at what our, our president and our Congress and our legislators are grappling with, when you look at what law enforcement is grappling with, things, they're grappling with things that shouldn't be a grapple. We should just fix it. You come to understand that our culture is in trouble and then you bring it down to the church level and you find our churches are in trouble. And I dare say that if there is to be a tomorrow in this nation, if there's to be a tomorrow in this culture, in this community, even the church, it's going to be because there is a revival. As I thought about it this week, my heart was drawn to this very familiar passage. Now, we know this text as the prodigal son. We're going to visit this text, Luke 15, the end of the chapter, this morning and next Sunday morning, and we're not going to talk about the prodigal son either time. Tonight, as you see on the screen, I want us to take a look at the father. Let's stand together and let's read verses 11. Um, I'm going to read verses 11 through 24. You listen intently, for this is indeed the word of our Lord. He being Jesus also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. So he, the father, distributed the assets to him. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent Everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. <clears throat> he longed to eat his fill from the corrid pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger? I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion. He ran through and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And all God's people said, let's pray together. 
Father, take this portion of your word tonight and open our hearts to it. We pray that you will come in such a real way that you will show us all the things that you feel parallel to what this father felt. Open our eyes from new and and exciting views that we can see a father who loves us, a father who wants to take care of us, a father who wants to give us the best. And then may we respond to him in kind, in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Possibly one of the greatest works of art in this whole world is the Sixth Sistine Chapel that Michelangelo painted. I've never been there. Has anybody been there? So y'all can tell me. The colors are absolutely stunning, I'm, so, I'm told. They're just, wherever you look, it's just amazing. And yet, I read a story that the Sistine Chapel, at one time, those colors began to fade and dim. And the, the curators, caretakers, the people thought that it was finally losing its uh, vibrance. And what they come to discover is that when they got up there, that the grime of time had just covered it over. And so when they got up and they peeled back away that grime, they just cleaned it up. I'm sure it was more than just cleaning up, if you understand what I'm saying. But when they got it all clean, the colors returned to its brilliance so you could enjoy this work of art once again. When I hear that, and I think about revival, and I think about the church, and I think about America, I think it's a perfect uh, application to what's gone on, even today in our country. That somehow the grime of time and the shame of sin has kind of occluded God's best for us. Because he is the father. And he wants the best. There's not a father in this building, probably not a mother in this building, that, de- that wants anything but the best for their children. So this morning, or this evening, in a couple of slices, I want to, I want to just um, give you some things to think about as we think about revival and, and how to get back there and how to understand it from God's perspective. So let me offer you four pictures of this, of this father. We unpack this in four pictures. The first, let's begin with the hurt of the father. Have you ever thought about how this father was hurt? Can you imagine how he was hurt? As I read through this story, I found myself asking myself, can you imagine? I mean, this man had two sons, and he loved his sons dearly. Can you imagine how deeply it hurt him when the younger son came to him and said, Look, Dad, I know i got an estate coming. I know I'll have an inheritance coming. I want what's mine. You know what he said, basically? You're as good as dead in my eyes because I want what I want and I want it now. Does that sound like the 21st century, anybody? Can you imagine how hurt the father was? Did you know, did you realize that that request could have fallen on some really tough ears? Dad had some more, he had some more options besides just giving him, he didn't have to give him his inheritance. There could have really been some dire consequences for this younger brother to request the inheritance. But dad didn't. He loved his son. 
He wanted the best for his son. And quite honestly, please listen, teenagers. His son, even though he thought he knew what was best, didn't have a clue. Now, here's what I want to say to the teenagers tonight, wherever you are. You think God's calling Virginia. You think that you have friends who love you better than your parents do, but you don't. Oh, they may, uh, uh, they may, you may think that they're trying to keep you from having a good time. You may think they're trying to uh, be a, a, uh, um, a prison guard for you. But listen, you don't have a friend who will die for you, but your parents would die for you. And that's the way this father was. And when his son turned and walked away, he divided the assets up and his son just got them and left. May I say this to us? Can you compare that to God? Can you imagine the hurt in God's heart when he walked into the Garden of Eden and his creation, those that he had walked with, Adam and Eve, were now running from him? We're, one of, we're a couple of those parents that understand what it is to have a child leave. Many here have been impacted either as a child or grandchild or, or uh, uh, somebody in your extended family or friends, and you know what the hurt is. Can you imagine how God hurt when mankind turned and walked away from him? Can you imagine how he hurts tonight when those who have been redeemed by the blood of his only son when those children turn and walk away from him. The hurt of the father. I believe it will go a long way for us wanting renewal and revival, restoration, refreshment, if we understand how it hurts God for us to get away from him. The second picture I'll give to you is that of the hope of the father. The hope of the father. It takes no imagination for me as I read this that the father began praying for his son as soon as he left. He began praying, God, protect him. God, watch over him. God, don't let anything happen to him. But you know, in my mind, because of the way the scripture is written, I'm just going to take a little liberty with my imagination. You know what? I really believe that what we prayed for Christ. You know what I believe that the father prayed for his son while he was gone? Let me just pause and say be careful what you pray for. I believe the father was praying, Lord bring my son to his senses and bring him home safely. You see when we ask God to do a work, he don't necessarily do it like we want it done. Amen. I mean, the father, I cannot imagine that father saying, Now, dear God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let him spend, waste all of his money that I've worked so hard for and I gave to him. Help him spend all his money. Help a famine come into the land. I want him to live in a fat place that's where there is no food. Lord, and help all his friends desert him so he's all alone. And Lord, help him go to the pig pen. Can you imagine a, a father praying that for his son? No, what he prayed, he said, Lord... Bring him to his senses. Our prayer today is, Lord, send revival. 
When the father prayed, bring him to his senses, God knew that the only way that he would come to his senses would be devoid of anything that he was accustomed to and wind up in the pig pen. Have you ever thought about it? At any point down the road, when he spent all his money, when the famine struck, when his friends deserted him, at any juncture in his life, he could have returned to the father's house and the father was looking. But he, like me, too stubborn. You know, folks, I know you won't be surprised at this, but I dare say don't put on your uh, ecclesiastical pride and say you've never been there. The Lord's taken me to the pig pen more than once. And it's only in the pig pen when I'm eating things I don't want to eat, when I'm feeling things I don't want to feel, that I'm ready to do business with God. Scripture says when he came to his senses in the pig pen. Now let's go back to the father. The father had prayed, bring, take him, bring him to his senses and bring him home. And he didn't realize what's required. But you know what he was doing? I can imagine the old man puttering around the front porch of the house and the, if he has, had flowers and he did his little work and he had one eye on his work and one eye on the road. One eye on his work and one eye on the road. I can imagine him standing on the front porch of his house and, and shielding his eyes, looking, hoping, and praying that today would be the day that his long-lost child would come home. Here's what I say to us. I believe God the Father is standing on the portals, on the porch of our life, and He is waiting for us to come home. He is waiting for us to come back under His protection in His way. The things that we think constrain us are really the things that protect us. The hope of the Father. I know He was looking. Because he saw him while he was still a long way off. I mean, can you imagine? He'd get up every morning, he'd look down the road. And finally that day came and he could see a speck down the road, a little dust. And it's getting a little closer. And I imagine he kind of worked his way toward the gate. And it got a little closer. And then when those old eyes saw that it was his son coming, he broke and he ran. And that brings us to the happiness of the father. Whew. He broke and he ran. And he threw his arms around. You know what he saw in his son? He saw this son who had left with such pride and arrogance is now back a different boy. He don't know what's going on. He don't know about all the money gone. He don't know about the friends gone. He don't know what. He just knows this. The boy comes back. The boy begins to repent and confess and not ask for favors. And he is happy to see his boy home. Hello? You see, there is nothing that brings a father any more joy than his kids to come home. I suggest to us, no, I submit to us, that when we go to the far country, to the distant land, when we have our own way, when we, we follow our sin to where it's going to take us, ultimately that sin will lead us to the pig pen and the angels in heaven Throw a party when somebody comes home. When someone has never met Christ and finally they fall and surrender, the Lord has spoken to their heart and they fall and surrender instead of fighting it, 
and they come home to salvation. Here's what happens. The angels in heaven rejoice. And the only way the noise gets any louder is when a redeemed person who has walked away returns. Brothers and sisters, our Lord desires for us to be in his care and keeping and in fellowship and full relationship with him, laying aside our sin, laying aside our selfishness, laying aside our attitudes, laying aside the troubles of this world. When we go to the Father, he'll take care of us. Truth is, he was so happy He did what he didn't have to do and wasn't supposed to do. He said, go get a robe, go get a ring, go get the shoes, and kill the fatted calf, and let's have a party. Boy, is that not exciting? Let's just get down it. And we know it was a party because as we'll read next Sunday morning, the older brother came up and he could hear the music all the way out in the field. The happiness of the Father. But I want to conclude with the heart of the Father. The heart. Now, this, for me, this is something that we can glean from every page of this book. Because we can draw a parallel between Dad and Luke 15 and our Heavenly Father. Let me give you, I don't think they're, yeah, I think they are. They may be up there. I want to give you three attributes of the heart of the Father. First of all is goodness. Goodness. Think about this. The boy had wasted all. He had done everything he could do. He now was alienated from his friends. He was starving. He was working in a pig pen. And he was eating the slop. Now that's the good southern word. It's not what it said in the Bible. That's not a Bible word. That's a southern word. I know because we used to slop the hogs. Obviously, we've got a lot of city slickers here, and you've never slopped hogs in your life. He was eating the slop. And it was there in the pig pen. You know what he remembered? He remembered the goodness of his father. And he said, you know, what am I doing? Have I lost my mind? Even the servants for my dad does better than I'm doing. And so what I'll do, I've blown it with him. He'll never take me back as a son. I have no position. I have no worthiness. So what I'm going to do, and I can imagine that boy when he left the pig pen all the way back till he came face to face with dad. I can imagine him rehearsing that. You know, Lord, uh, Father, I, you know, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Uh, I'm uh, um, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against you. No, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. And, and I just ask you to take... I, I can hear him re- rehearsing that all the way home. And sure enough, when the father threw his arms around him, the boy was quite likely overwhelmed. And I can see him pushing back from his dad. And, you know, he was going to deliver that rehearsed speech. But isn't it interesting, when he was down in the deepest depths, that he remembered the goodness of his father. You see, we can't go so far that God's grace won't reach us and we cannot fall so deep that His grace won't get to us because He wants us to come home. But make no mistake, the Father's heart is a heart of goodness, but it's also a heart of 
Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I think I am taken by the repentance and the confession of the boy when he came home. But I'm more taken by the response of the father. The boy said, I'm no longer worthy. And you never see dad responding. You know why? Because what he, when he saw this boy leave filled with pride, filled with arrogance, when that boy came home, I believe that he heard the words and he witnessed an attitude change. And in that, he knew it was not an issue anymore. When he came back and came clean, the father was welcome to take him back. He did not even make him come back as a slave. He didn't say, son, I forgive you, but. Don't you like it when somebody tells you that? I forgive you, but. Now, am I the only one that, am I the only one that's ever happened to? I forgive you, but here's what's going to have to happen. You're going to have to come back as a slave and prove yourself. You're going to have to, you can come back in and I forgive you, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in my little box. And every once in a while, I'll take you out and let you run around a little bit. And then I'll box you back up. Because I say I forgive you, but I'm going to hang on. I'm going to protect myself. Dad didn't do that. He said, bring a robe, bring a ring, bring a shoes. Let's have a party. He's home. You know, that's what forgiveness is all about. I dare say if there's to be revival in this place, that there's going to have to first have some forgiveness in this place. Forgiveness it can go back four minutes or it can go back 40 years. Brother Jerry, if you're talking about me, no, I'm not talking about you. I don't know any. I can't put my finger on one thing that needs to be done, but I will tell you, I'm not not talking about you. You know whether there's something in your heart that forgiveness needs to be given? That turning loose of your right to get even? That's what the Father does. He forgives. In fact, He does better than we can do. He forgives and forgets. There's a song in that book that y'all are doing. I just love that song. He forgives and forgets. I stand before him holy. He's canceled my debt. That day at Calvary. Justified just as if I never sinned as yet. He not only forgives He forgives and forgets. You see, our Lord, when we go to Him as our Father, He is ready to forgive and forget. And if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then He takes that sin and He throws it. As far as the east is from the west, He drops it in the sea of forgetfulness and He posts a no fishing sign so you'll leave it alone. The forgiving heart of the Father. But I don't you just see his heart in terms of goodness and forgiveness. But see it number three in the terms of acceptance. Acceptance. He accepted the boy just like he was. Oh, Brother Jerry, well, what if? Well, you know, we don't know what is. I think there's a lot of times that we try to complicate things when God just gives it and says, forgive, accept. 
The Bible is loaded with one another, love one another, care for one another, watch out for one another, accept one another. And he accepted him, and he knew that, that his boy was not perfect. But he knew he had learned a lesson, and now he was back home. And he was willing to let that go by and bring him in back as a son. Thus, the ring, the robe, the shoes, and the calf. We understand the heart of the Father. Our lives will be changed. You see, we hurt the Father through rebellion, rejection, resistance, pride, arrogance. And when we fall into those sins, the hope of our Father is that we'll come back home. Just as surely as my name is Jerry, when we have sin in our life, it separates us from God. Now, you may not lose your salvation, but if you're really a child of his, well, let me just say this from personal. I am his child, and when I sin, he has a tendency to act like my dad and apply the Board of Education to the seat of knowledge. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because all he wants is to bring you back home. And it brings him joy. He becomes happy. Helps you be happy in the Lord. When you repent and come back home. Because the heart of the Father is always one of goodness. You come repenting, he forgives. And you come to him with a pure heart, he accepts. If there is to be a revival, we need to do business with the patient father. He will not strive with man always, but his patience and his endurance are only exceeded by his long suffering. And he wants us to be his own, his light, his salt, his people. Let's pray together.